Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Steve Rayner, and I direct the James Martin Institute for Science and Civilization. I'm sure you've had a very full and exciting, uh, possibly also rather exhausting afternoon assimilating all this information uh, about the various in institutes and centers. And I'm also aware that I'm what stands between you and refreshments. So what I will do is attempt to give you a brief telegraphic overview of the Institute, some of our recent work, and some of the directions in which we plan to be moving over the next three years, and at the same time also introduce you to some of the personnel who are involved. As Sarah, uh, Sarah uh, Harper just described the Institute of Aging as an institute which has three missions, we also have three missions. A research mission, which is obviously the core central focus of our work. But we also have a pedagogical mission, training, educating future leaders, which we do through our participation in the educational programs of the Sai Business School. And we also have a third leg to our stool, which is our policy capacity development work. Uh, and we're very much involved in reaching out to and informing policymakers very much as the, uh, uh, the Institute of Aging, the Environmental Change Institute, uh, do. We are extremely disciplinary, uh, interdisciplinary, sorry. <laughs> we are extremely interdisciplinary. It's been a long day for me too. Uh, our backgrounds range from anthropology, classics, um, history, <laughs> sociology, economics, through to physics and engineering. So we have a, a very broad range of backgrounds coming together within the Institute. And we frame our approach to the world with sort of these three concepts, wicked problems, uncomfortable knowledge, and clumsy solutions. Wicked problems is a term that was actually introduced out of the planning literature in the 1970s to describe those problems which are basically intractable, the ones that have no stopping points, the ones that are, almost defy explanation or definition. And I would give as an example of that climate change. Whenever you think you've got climate change pinned down as an issue, you find that whole new areas uh, that are important to coming to grips with it open up. Just as we think we've got some kind of consensus around various aspects of the science, new gaps open up in the policy discourse uh, as Diana illustrated just uh, a few moments ago. A particularly wicked problem in relation to, to climate change is the timescale upon which we have to act, as Diana just showed you. It's my view that if we had all the time in the world, we could indeed develop an economically efficient, environmentally effective carbon market that would deal with the problem. But if we actually have a constraint of trying to stabilize concentrations at around, say, 550 parts per million, that's reasonably optimistic these days, by mid-century, it's my view that you can't get there from here in the time frame available, and that we need to explore other kinds of policy options. And that fact in itself represents my second point here, which is it's uncomfortable knowledge. It is uncomfortable knowledge for those people who have made huge investments of personal, political, and intellectual capital in developing 
the carbon trading framework as the primary route by which we're going to come to grips with the climate change issue. As I call it an issue, I try not to call it a problem because I would argue it isn't a problem, actually it's a symptom. It's a symptom of a much larger set of complex issues to do with industrialization, to do with capitalism, to do with globalization. Uh, and that's another reason why there is actually no well-defined discrete solution for it. So we're in the business of actually generating and trying to get uncomfortable knowledge into organizations which for the most part actually have developed very finely tuned mechanisms for filtering out information that doesn't fit with the way in which they see themselves doing business in the world. Economists will tell you organizations and economic actors are going out there gathering information. For the most part, they're doing the opposite. Actually, they're blocking it out. And so our third element is the clumsy solution. And this idea is, as opposed to an elegant solution, such as the rapid development of a carbon market, the notion that the real ways in which we come to grips with these problems are by piecemeal um, uh, approaches, incompletely theorized uh, initiatives, to use Cass Sunstein's term, uh, in, often indirect kinds of approaches. The indirectness here, I think, is very interesting. Some work published by Dutch researchers recently showing that the Montreal Protocol has actually done more to reduce greenhouse gas emissions since its inception than Kyoto would have done had it even been fully implemented. And it hasn't been implemented. So indirect routes actually may be the best way to get to your destination. As the English Landscape Garden Capability Brown said, confront the object but draw nigh obliquely. That may be the best approach. There are four foci to the work of the uh, Institute for Science and Civilization. I'll briefly introduce these to you. The first we call Futures at Oxford, which represents a non-deterministic exploration of multiple technology and organizational futures. Second is our complex systems work. Uh, we anchor the uh, complex uh, adaptive behavioral uh, dynamics network in the university the Oxford Science and Technology Studies Group, and a new initiative which we call GAIN, which is Governance and Innovation Network. And I'm not going to go through all of the items on every slide. I invite you to run through them. Futures at Oxford is run uh, by Dr. Angela Wilkinson and Professor Rafael Ramirez, respectively a, uh, a full fellow and a half-time fellow uh, funded by the James Martin School. And the focus here is on actually reflecting on the practice of thinking about the future. We're not in the business of generating more and more scenarios. We are in the business of trying to understand what is a very rapidly expanding field of activity in the public and private sector, but one which is almost entirely untheorized. We're interested in actually exploring what is the epistemological basis, what is the basis in reality and in practice uh, of uh, futures approaches. Uh, we've had a number of successes with our graduate students, uh, one of whom won the, uh, uh, the Academy of Management's Award for Best Paper recently. We've got two new books out on scenario planning methodology. Uh, and as you can see, uh, our personnel actually participate in high-level uh, policy activities. The complex systems work, uh, this is uh, headed up by Felix Reed Sockers, who's with us today, uh, and Felix anchors Cabdin uh, in the James Martin Institute. Uh, Felix's background is in physics, as is, in fact, Angela Wilkinson's. We've recently appointed Paul David, who's a professor at Stanford and recently uh, here at Oxford, 
as an associate fellow. That's of significance because Paul is one of the two prime movers in developing the idea of path dependency. And the notion of path dependency and technological lock-in is one of the anchoring problems for the Institute, which draws all four of these areas uh, of inquiry together. And I'll say a little bit more about that in just a moment. Uh, this work, by the way, this component of our work is almost entirely funded other than Felix's uh, participation by sources other than the James Martin School. So we're bringing a lot of other players into the arena here. And we're very proud of the fact that uh, Felix has two uh, new important publications coming forward in Nature and the PNAS. Uh, and you can see some of the other activities of that group here. The Oxford Science and Technology Studies Group. This is anchored by Professor Steve Woolgar. He is an SBS fellow, Science Business School fellow in the Martin Institute. He's not funded by the James Martin School. He's funded by Science Business School. And he heads up this area where we're looking into the social aspects of the production and use of scientific knowledge. And we're very proud of the fact that Steve was this year awarded the uh, 2008 J.D. Bernal Prize by the Society for Social Studies and Science. It's an extremely prestigious award, uh, previously won by people like Bruno Latour uh, and Professor Mary Douglas, who was, in fact, a fellow of our institute until, sadly, her death last year. And we anchor a book series. Uh, we have three new James Martin Fellows that we've just appointed and an ESRC Fellowship, uh, which is available for work in that field. And then finally, the Governance and Innovation Network. Uh, this is led by uh, Dr. Javier Lezaun and myself. Uh, we are both full-time funded by the James Martin School. Uh, and this is actually trying to provide a platform for bringing together researchers around the university uh, who are interested in the intersection of issues to do with govern governance, innovation, uh, and accountability. And the focus here is very much is on this issue of path dependency and lock-in. Can governments keep up? Uh, with the pace of innovation. How can you undo technological systems that seem to be uh, on tracks that are almost immovable, such as indeed uh, the fossil energy system at a global level? Uh, and we have a range of DPhil students studying related topics. Uh, we've had some significant policy impact in uh, various arenas, uh, and we will be carrying that agenda through next term, uh, particularly as with the appointment of two new postdoctoral fellows in that field. And then our priorities in terms of development, to develop the core funding to support the futures work, for which funding will expire in 2011 at present, and to get research grants to expand our work uh, of CABDIN, the Oxford SDS Group, and GAIN. Uh, and I didn't go in, mention this, uh, it was in the last slide. We are planning to host the 2010 Gordon Conference on science, uh, and, uh, science and Society. Uh, at the Institute. As some of you may know, the Gordon Conferences are extremely prestigious conferences of the AAAS. Uh, and we will also, in 2012, be hosting the joint uh, conference of the Society for Social Studies of Science and the European Association for the study, Social Study of Science and Technology, which is a conference that usually attracts about 800 to 1,000 people. And so we will be needing some kind of institutional support for that. And then finally, to say that uh, in the Hillary term, uh, we will be undergoing a major rebranding exercise. Uh, there has been some uh, issues with confusion between the James Martin Institute and the James Martin School, and we're seeking to resolve those. So you can watch that, this space. We will be having a significant event there. And if you want to come along, you'll be very welcome, and there you'll learn more about the specific activities than I have time to convey to you today. Thank you very much.